All right. Ooh. I just looked out my window in my new office, and there is a full moon out there. <laughs> Very ominous. Okay. Welcome to the... Ooh! No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I knew Bring it. Bring Fright Night back again. <laughs> Welcome to Karate Kid Minute, a podcast where we discuss the original 1984 classic, The Karate Kid, one trimming minute at a time. I'm Robin. I'm Matt. And joining us one more time is our favorite parishioner of the cinema, Father David Murray. Welcome. Oh, hello. Glad to be back. Uh, I, I, I can only say I, my mom's going to come and pick me up any minute, but uh, <laughs> I'll try and squeeze in one last episode here. Uh, well, don't worry about it. Since you are our guest, you can just invite her in. We don't, don't even, <laughs> even ask us if we're comfortable with it. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Great. No, just wait. Just wait anywhere, mom. No, it's fine. Uh, it'll, it won't take long. No, like half an hour. Great. Okay. Yeah. All right. We're good. Well, this is minute 33 of the Karate Kid. It begins with some calming pan flutes and ends with a check-in from Ma. Uh, so yeah, here we are. We're clipping away at the tree. Daniel is so good at this. <laughs> I am yeah. shocked at how well this thing has turned out. Yeah, I know. It, we do kind of go into, I mean, I, I, I'd call it a montage, but it's more like a, a you know, like a, we, we move ahead in time for a moment yeah. and, and just once. Because otherwise it would be like, I don't know, some sort of 80s song fires up. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, now I want a bonsai tree trimming montage set to, let's say, I have the tiger. I have the tiger, yeah, yeah. Push it to the limit. <laughs> <laughs> let's hear it for the boy. <laughs> Something like that. Oh, I just I want to see that now. I want to see him cutting the trees and walking on the razor's edge. <laughs> There's nothing that a good 1980s movie montage can't make awesome. Right, right. Uh, I, I don't know. Watching someone calmly clip away at a tree, maybe not. Right. Editors earn their paycheck, my friend. Uh, yeah, that's true. All sorts of different angles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like the like the under the table shot where the leaves are just literally falling into the camera. That's Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's a missed opportunity. We should reshoot this. <laughs> not not the creative decision taken here, which is that that's fine. That's yeah. fine. You know, so long as the picture comes from inside you, it's the right one. That's but true. maybe there could have been a different choice. Maybe that could have vastly improved this, you know, relatively obscure and uh, you know, <laughs> uneventful movie that passed without <laughs> making a huge impact on popular culture. Oh, wait. <laughs> wait. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, if it, this, we are crit, uh, critiquing uh, the picture that came from inside John Avildsen, <laughs> and we learned that this is uh, it's the right one. So really, there's no reason to uh, tear it apart at all, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, seriously, Miyagi uh, is is working here as well, and he's. I, I love this little moment where he just kind of like looks over his shoulder at Daniel, and he smiles. And uh, I just had this observation uh, that Miyagi had no children, uh, but it sounds like he had a good relationship with his father. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe he's kind of right now being reminded of 
when he was in Daniel's shoes and, uh, and, you know, doing the same thing. And I don't know. It just kind of makes him smile. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah, it's, it's a moment he hasn't got to uh, experience with his own kid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we just have... Yeah, it, remi- it reminds me that, uh, you know, it's also that male bonding happens side by side rather than face to face. Mm-hmm. Right. That men are much more comfortable spending time uh, just being together if they have something to do together. And so I can easily imagine... Miyagi developing that relationship with the father in the silence broken only by the snip of the pruning shears. And that same kind of relationship is being built up here because given how long it would take Daniel, a beginner to the art of bonsai to make this really impressive uh, headway (laughs) and progress on this tree, that's a lot of time. (laughs) And what you just said, what you just said about male bonding is so true. Because last night I spent four hours with three friends just uh, clipping out uh, little plastic things and building Gundams. <laughs> nice. I was like, oh my God, he did bonsai last No, you're clipping Gundams. <laughs> I did plastic bonsai. Plastic and I made a, bon- I made a robot. Japanese? <laughs> yeah. I mean, your bonsai tree. The ancient art of gunpla. <laughs> I think, it was, yeah, that was brought up from China in the, the 10th century, uh, right yeah. after the bonsai art form was, was introduced. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, so, yeah, it's what I've always found with, with the seminarians, it's important to, you know, to in, encourage that kind of friendship where you're able to be together and not really have to talk or you know share emotions or anything like that but there's still an authentic relationship that's formed in that being together with that common task so whenever we want to encourage the guys to uh, form some good esprit de corps or form some good fraternity uh, amongst themselves we always have them do something uh in the before times uh well let me uh, no i'm sorry uh Want to avoid the current event talk? I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. This is '84. Uh, all right. Uh, let me let me back up. Um, so the seminarians, when we want to encourage them esprit de corps, we always give them something to do. Here at the seminary, uh, something we're trying is at the beginning of the school year, we have all the seminarians engaged in projects outdoors, which included a little bit of shrub trimming. Uh, shrub trimming you know, those juniper bushes i talked about before yeah well there's kind of a lot of them so they they need a lot of maintenance and we're trying to clear some of them away so that on top of working on a brick patio on top of painting some of the fencing that's around our school campus all of that we tied into this day at the beginning of the school year to try and encourage a kind of brotherhood amongst the the men who go to school here precisely in that side-by-side time together rather than just, okay, we're going to put you in a room and you just got to talk to each other and you come out <laughs> friends. So there, yeah. it just doesn't work with guys. Yeah, it, it is interesting. You know, uh, I mean, I think I'm a, I'm a well-rounded, not only in uh, uh, physical shape, but in emotional, you know, well-being. Like, uh, you know, I think I'm pretty much in touch with my feelings and all that. But, yeah, it, it's just something about, like, I don't call my male friends and be like, so what's up? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I, I will call if I have, like, a task that we're doing together or yeah. I have an idea of like, something to do, you know. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, We're so repressed, guys. <laughs> well, this is the 80s, like I said. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I, I am wearing like a, you know, a half cut t-shirt. I'm ready to go play some volleyball after this. So. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, so this is, uh, like I said, this is, this is like 30 seconds of this minute here. Half the minute is just snipping and uh, pan yep. flutes. So yep. let's get into some pan flutes, shall we? Wait, wait, how long was it really? How long did Daniels oh, sit yeah. there cutting before his mom came looking for him? Well, yeah, we can't tell based on the outdoor light because it's dark when Daniel shows up. Right. So yeah. it's already right around sunset or just after. So I, I would not think that Daniel can make this progress in anything less than an hour and a half. Mm. And his mom, when she comes in there, she doesn't have a worried look on her face. So I don't know. <laughs> Where have you been? <laughs> oh, it looks like she's coming from home from work and saw yeah. the bike and pop. And, and I don't know. Just like it made sense for Daniel to go check out what Mr. Miyagi was like, ask Mr. Miyagi about the bike. It makes sense for Lucille to go, well, obviously the bike is fixed. So the boy must be at Mr. Miyagi's. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> She heard the pan flute, and so she knew right where to find Daniel. <laughs> Thank you for bringing me around, because I mentioned pan flute like 30 seconds ago, and there's somebody out there like, come on with the pan flute. Let's go. <laughs> I, I oh, just no. one more tangent before oh, the pan stop flute. Stop talking about the characters. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm, ready. I'm ready for the pan flute trivia. Lay it on us, Robin. Uh, this is Zemfir. Uh, his Ooh. full name is Georgia. Jor it's like Georgia Zemfir. It's Georgia. George, maybe it's, it's G H E O R G H E. <laughs> oh. But I I, oh. I saw it like uh, the pronunciation guide uh, laid it out as like two syllables. So it was like almost like George. Um, Romanian, uh, known as the master of the pan flute. Um, as a child, uh, Zamfir originally wanted to learn the accordion. So hmm. this could have been a completely different movie. <laughs> <laughs> I just it's, it's, he was trimming bonsai to accordion. I thought that would be really interesting. Uh, no, but uh, when he turned 14, he started working on the pan flute. And uh, he says, quote, and of course, this is translated from his Romanian. Uh, mm -hmm. From the first time I took the pan flute in my hands, it spoke to me. It was the most emotional sounding instrument I ever heard. Nothing else possesses the range of sounds and the possibilities of affecting your feelings like the pan flute does. It's a cosmic instrument. Oh, cosmic. Getting deep. Dude, it's the instrument of the Galax flute. Galactus. <laughs> yes. Galactus, hmm. the pan flute. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Now I'm picturing Silver Surfer, Silver Surfer playing an accordion. Uh, <laughs> uh, Zamfir uh, created over 300 songs with his pan flute, 160 albums. Has sold over 120 million records worldwide. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Traditionally, the the pan flute has you know you, if if you know what a pan flute is, basically like a bunch of pipes uh, stitched together, uh, you know, shorter to longer. Um, they, they traditionally have 20 pipes, but Zamfir has turned his pipes up to 22, 25, 28, even 30 pipes. The madman. <laughs> but they Zam laughed him at the Pan Flute Academy, but who's laughing now? <laughs> uh, I will tell you that Zamfir has been known to hold a sustained note for two and a half minutes. <laughs> Whoa. That's yeah. impressive lung capacity. Yeah. 
Just sounds one. like a bore. Sounds like a boring song, though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, he it says um, he doesn't get fatigued by playing the physically demanding pan flute. Quote: Just yesterday, I practiced for five and a half hours. To me, it's like breathing. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. I got a lot of these facts from his website, which is. Uh, Really great. Uh, he uh, also contributed to the scores of Picnic at Hanging Rock, uh, Once Upon a Time in America. Um, his song, The Lonely Shepherd, was used in Kill Bill, um, which huh. is uh, part one. Um, you'll, you'll know it. It's like Google uh, Zamfir Kill Bill and you'll be like, oh, yeah, that one. It's really, it's, I don't know, it's a really good melody as well. Uh, mm. Really just as memorable. Yeah. Um, also, he gained success in the 80s in America because late night mail order commercials would just constantly, the magic of Zamfir. <laughs> and, and yeah, uh, I mentioned, we last time we mentioned Zamfir, I said my mother had a tape that she played over and over and over again. And uh, that, that's what this mail order commercial sold, the magic of Zamfir, like a collection of different songs. That he, so I'm, I'm assuming a lot of that 120 million records worldwide sold were, was that, you know, mail order campaign. Cause it did go on for a few years <laughs> back in the eighties. Mm. So there yeah. Something very eighties about the pan flute. I don't know what it is. Huh. I, it just, it always evokes some kind of, uh, you know, some forest being filmed on low grade film stock, uh, <laughs> as people in ill-fitting fantasy costumes stalk their way through a fog machine generated mist and the pan (laughs) flute kind of plays in the background to give everything this air of mysticism exactly Uh, in this scene it works Uh, there's there's something very uh serene and calm that ties in all the themes that uh this movie tries to get across uh, in terms of the, the self-discipline and the inner peace that karate and bonsai are supposed to help bring together. Uh, most other times the pan flute just seems to be, oh, we need something that, that sounds kind of woo. Uh, let's get the pan flute in there. Yeah, yeah, that, that'll sound good. Yeah, uh, Matt, I believe uh, we've, uh, you, uh, maybe you, we've talked about this or we've heard this discussed on other podcasts. Uh, where they bring in like a pan pipe into something that is supposed to be to sound more mystical. We called them, you remember what we called them? <laughs> yeah. The pan flute of xenophobia. The pan pipes of xenophobia. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> because it's just like whenever like a, a TV show is like, all right, well, you know, like it's almost like, you know, it's it, it's as tropey as, you know, they shoot south of the border. So all, all of a sudden the color grading completely changes to like, you know, like sun drenched, you know, that kind of thing. It's so oh, yeah. tropey that you would bring this, the pan pipes in wherever you wanted to, uh, it, the pan flute in when you wanted to have it sound mm-hmm. like, Oh, this is a different country or, or, the, or even just like, here's a character that is from a different country, you know, like, you know, Asian, you know, especially. And, uh, we, so we have to play something that, you know, sounds like something, that would be from their country. But to me, it's like interesting that Zamfir is Romanian. So <laughs> this is really a Romanian pan flute. So uh, it's interesting. And, and of course, uh, in Kill Bill, his Lonely Shepherd theme is used, uh, you know, in a very Asian inspired uh, uh, movie, Kill Bill. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, it's interesting. And, and 
you know, I, I wonder if this is, uh, I, I'm sure they've used pan flutes in movies before this, but I almost like to think that they kind of brought this in here innocently. I, I, I don't know. It just seems more like it just works. It works. And I don't think that it's like, I just think this is like, this is Miyagi training time. And uh, I don't know, maybe it's just because I've, spent my life with this movie that I, I don't, I'm not bothered by it at all, or I'm not like, Oh, it's tropey or whatever, you know? So I don't know. Uh, <laughs> that's all I have to say about pan boots <laughs> uh, for now. I mean, I'm sure there's oh, some more for now. Coming. What a tease. <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be some more coming in the, the future. Cause uh, there's so many other more, I mean, this is like, like right, I, I noted uh, when Miyagi sticks his head out after Daniel trashes his bike. That's when the pan flutes are first heard. Like it's mm. like, oh, Miyagi, Miyagi enters the story, <laughs> you know. Uh, and uh, and as we go along with our training, there's more pan flutes, and I just think there's, you know, if they're tropey, I don't care. Uh, they're beautiful, and uh, I, I I celebrate them. <laughs> so, uh, all right, so yeah. We have Lucille stepping to the screen door and uh, I just, um, yeah, yeah. I, I mentioned this on Monday, but uh, these warm looks that we have Miyagi giving Daniel and then we just see Lucille just kind of looking in before she even announces herself, just like, look at this boy. You know, I just feel like this is, these are the moments where I see Daniel as this young boy and Lucille, of course, is just, you know, really excited to see Daniel doing something that, you know, makes him happy is, you know, gets, having him sit down and work on something with this. Yeah. Sort of yeah she has that moment where she just looks at him before she says anything. Yeah. And uh, I, I would always have this moment with uh, my mom where I would, you know, especially when I was about Daniel's age, uh, just doing something in the house, you know, making a sandwich or doing her chores or reading something, or whatever. And I would look up and I would find my mom was just looking at me and I was oh, oh what because of course <laughs> any good kid's reaction to when your parent is paying that much attention to you is obviously to think that you're in trouble but <laughs> my, my mom would just smile at me and says well I'm just looking at you because <laughs> there's, there's a there's a joy that parents have just in beholding their children just being themselves and enjoying yeah. whatever it is that they're doing um my my brother had uh, his first kid about a year ago now, and it's amazing just how much delight I get vicariously just seeing pictures of my niece. I, I don't right. need anything else. It's just a, a random picture from my brother of like, oh, here, here's your niece. Like, oh, my gosh, you're so cute. And she's the best kid in the entire world. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, it gives me a small inkling of what it's like for a mom to look at her son like Lucille does with Daniel here. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I want to mention real quick since kids are coming up that my kids have not been sent out to boarding school yet. Uh, for those who are, you know, keeping yes, track being track the operative the word here. Uh, but yeah, I do have the same kind of feeling for my kids whenever mm -hmm. I, you know, see that, you know, my little ones, uh, just, you know, talking to each other, or just, I don't know, working on something and you, you're, they're not even noticing you're watching. And usually when they catch me watching, I'll just kind of like, stick a finger in their belly and make a fart noise or something, you know, just to <laughs> kind of lighten it up, but <laughs> I'll pull my finger <laughs> or something like that. But, uh, as is uh, your divine right as a dad, that's right. That's right. Or I'll say something completely stupid and they'll, they'll, they'll tell me how stupid I am and, and we'll move on with the day. 
Um, but yeah, but the, yeah. But I then she it. calls him champ, and I think that's a little uh, that's a Aww. little uh, too <laughs> too um, childlike for for it a is kid. Very childlike, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, you sport. Yeah. <laughs> what you doing there, tiger? Also, I didn't know I didn't know that Daniel the vampire ga- gained the ability to invite other vampires into somebody else's home. No, 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 no. You don't. Getting out of hand. Now there are two of them. Well, <laughs> Daniel's the head vampire. You see. So if you invite the head vampire in, they can bring in other of uh. their of their clan. Uh, but you know, it's, that, that, that's a good point. Like, does Daniel have the right to invite his mother in? <laughs> I think a bit, I think a bit presumptuous. Yeah. <laughs> well, Daniel was just able to walk right in, and so yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> He's just being a real antagonist in this minute. I'm just saying. Oh, come on now. <laughs> uh, all right. So Lucille mentions that she saw the bike and she's amazed and she thinks that Daniel did it. And Daniel corrects her. And he says, "Oh no, Mr. Miyagi fix it. Fixed it." Ooh, he lets that one go. And he says, "Miyagi." Yeah, this is the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miyagi is said, uh, except for when he mentions his bike earlier. So, yes. Why would Daniel make that error? Because you would make that error if you see the name spelled out in English, but not if you had heard it pronounced by other people. So I would like to think. This is the ongoing question of this podcast. <laughs> it currently, <laughs> at least. We're right in the thick of it. So when... Daniel is talking about how he got the runaway zit on his yeah. forehead to Allie and Susan. Um, he he says that he got it. He fell off his bike, and they're like, they think it's a motorcycle, and he's like, oh yeah, it's a it's a Miyagi tur- turbo. And I w- I mentioned at that point, wait a second, he doesn't even know Mr. Miyagi's name. Mr. Miyagi has never mentioned his name. His name has never been mentioned by his mother. Uh, like she just thought it was like, oh, it's a fix it guy that works here. Go go ask the fix it guy. This is actually the very first time that in this scene, this minute, that his name is mentioned. Like, I can't believe we never see him introduce himself. Huh? <laughs> is there a cut scene somewhere? I looked. I didn't see anything in the script. There's I have I have a script with earlier versions of the uh you know different scenes and stuff. There's nothing. Huh. There's nothing. There's there's nothing about him like reading the name somewhere and like oh it's mr miyagi okay and then he has that name in his head the first time miyagi is mentioned mispronounced is with the bike and now here he is saying mr miyagi fixed it <laughs> so is me well miyagi is his name because he corrects him on the pronunciation it's it's not like yeah. this yeah, guy is that's like later, oh yeah. you want to call me miyagi all right fine whatever yeah, we'll just yeah. roll with that <laughs> Uh, and, and yeah, I looked over the script, his name's mentioned in this movie, maybe about seven or eight times. Uh, and I just thought how interesting it is, like the, the marketing of this film and just the, the, again, the, like the cultural osmosis of this film that you just know the name, Mr. Miyagi, and you know how it's pronounced and you just (laughs) know that's who, who it is. Uh, you know, the, maybe get, again, like the marketing of the movie, like oh, Mr. Miyagi has taught Daniel, blah, 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 to be the karate kid coming to theaters, you know, something like that. And just how Miyagi, the name is turned into almost like, oh, you, you just, I, I, I mean, I, oh, I can't remember the movie or show that I've heard this for, but like, hey, you just Miyagi'd me. Like, 
Like if you, you've been, you've been trained without even being known that you're being trained. That's kind of the verb Miyagi. Mm. <laughs> I, I just love that Miyagi is in this cultural zeitgeist yet. We, there, we don't actually get a formal introduction to him in this movie at all. <laughs> so. That is uh, odd. Isn't that it really odd? Feel, it really mm. feels like we're missing a piece. Yeah. Yeah. We did. We've been going through this minute by minute. <laughs> and yeah. I became a track. <laughs> uh, all right. So yeah. Lucille uh, pulls out her pocketbook, uh, but uh, Miyagi uh, refuses. Uh, and I just thought this was interesting. Like, it's good because she she like was probably sweating bullets. Like, <laughs> yeah, she's like, all right, uh, what do we owe you? And yeah, you know, talk about presumptive. Like, I'm gonna fix this kid's bike so I can get some money out of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but you know, she doesn't know him at all. And in fact, this scene is the only time Mrs. LaRusso and Mr. Miyagi have any face-to-face interaction. <laughs> wow. But now that I'm surprised, Lucille is not in this movie a whole lot. Mm. Not after this. Not after yeah, this. she kind of disappears from the story. Not yeah. after she signs over custody of Daniel to Miyagi. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that explains it. That And that's where Daniel saw the name. It was on the adoption papers. <laughs> Yeah, talk about being mad about being moved from one side of the country to the other, and then all of a sudden you realize you're getting put in the care of this this fix-it guy here. Well, listen, champ, the tech startup I came here to, to work for has gone belly up, so I'm yeah. Oops. selling you off. <laughs> but I love how this is, I mean, we have, this movie has been barely any Miyagi in this first half hour, but it's been a lot of... Daniel and Lucille bouncing off of each other, like Lucille trying to figure out what's going on with Daniel. Why is he showing up all these, you know, black eyes and bruises and stuff? And, uh, and yeah, and right here, this is the intersection of two different movies. Like now we're going into the movie <laughs> 30 minutes into it. We get the setup and now the movie is like, well, we're good with Lucille. <laughs> Move on. But there are other, there are other, uh, deleted Lucille scenes. Um, mm. And, you know, and it kind of explains why suddenly she's at the tournament, <laughs> even though she didn't show up there with uh, Daniel and Allie at the end. She's suddenly there in the crowd. <laughs> uh, but we'll get to that. <laughs> but, yeah, that's pretty much all I had for this minute. I mean, it kind of goes, you know, what are you doing? And Daniel's like, I'm trimming my and it cuts off there. <laughs> So let your you're what? Uh, you're what? I need your know. imagination wander <laughs> until Monday. Well, there oh. and there is this moment of generosity by Mr. Miyagi where he doesn't take Lucille's money yeah. for fixing the bike, which is really interesting. It, again, it shows Miyagi's compassionate and kind-hearted nature. Where I could easily see someone in his position where he is working as a handyman for an apartment complex, which probably doesn't pay a whole lot. And he'd be happy to take any kind of uh, money for any other little side odd jobs he does. But he's, I think he's taken a shine to Daniel. And I think this is again, another little piece of the picture of him and Daniel coming into this mentor and student relationship where he is willing just to do something out of the kindness of his heart for Daniel. Mm. Yeah. And I, I mean, gosh, that bike looks like it came right off the shelf. I can't imagine how much time Uh, he actually spent on that. (laughs) He's got, he's got like a whole metal manufacturing like plant or something (laughs) in another room. Yeah. 
I mean, he does all those cars too. I'm sure a lot of them come in with body damage. So like, oh, that's a good point. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So he would know about uh, that kind of repair work. Okay. (laughs) But but how's he fabricating his own metal? (laughs) Uh, Got me. I'm sure he learned it in Detroit. <laughs> the mine shaft is just below the the table the bonsai trees are on. <laughs> right. Rich vein of iron just below yeah. the California cityscape <laughs> here. Uh, anything else for this minute, folks? No, nope. uh, not from me. Nope. nope. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's get into our Friday question then. Um, so. Father David, have you? What are your thoughts about maybe? I mean, it sounds like you never saw the, any of the sequels. You haven't seen the spinoff TV show, the remake. Uh, but I mean, <laughs> when it comes to this movie, what did you think as you got to the end? Uh, well, I I really liked this movie. Like I said, it was not what I was expecting because of what I had picked up through cultural osmosis. Uh, it was much more of a sweet coming of age story yeah uh than it was any kind of um rocky for kids <laughs> kind yeah. of, well more like rocky three for kids is kind of how yeah. my cultural osmosis had had uh presented this movie to me really that's true that's uh, true clever lang is a bit a lot bigger of a bully than apollo creed is <laughs> sure i can see that so uh the uh, so the the joy in the movie was was entering into the the character dynamics, which I found to be really strong. Uh, the, I was I was laughing earlier this week when you talked about the ending of the movie because the movie just stops. <laughs> the, the, the movie does not come to an end. It just stops on that freeze frame of yeah. Miyagi's face. And I burst out laughing when the credits started rolling because I just could not believe. No, there, it, it can't be this. There is no denouement. There is no falling action here whatsoever. There has to be just a little bit more. And it was so abrupt. It just struck me so funny. Uh, in subsequent well, I, research, I, I know okay. that they um, within they start Karate Kid 2. There's exactly. uh, a scene at the start of that movie that was going to be at the end of the first one. Uh, so uh, I, I whether that works or not, I can't say without having seen the movie, but I'm aware that there was another ending planned. I, um, I really recommend it. It's I love that sequel. Come to think uh, of it, though, how does that scene end? Would that have been a satisfying conclusion to this movie either? I don't think it would have. Kreese defeated the the Cobra Kai all like, I mean, I guess if you're really investing, invested in the Cobra Kai, seeing their teacher as evil, you know, uh, and coming through, I mean, uh, the best we can get is Johnny, like, you know, saying, I forget what he says at the end of the movie is like, you're pretty cool. LaRusso or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're neat. Yeah. Some, some kind of, that's what's missing. It's not so much the, the Cobra Kai teacher eating pavement uh, that why I could care less about that, but some kind of resolution between Johnny and Daniel needed yeah. to be at the end of karate kid. Um, you know, the the at the the most noble it's shaking the hand in acknowledgement of a worthy opponent um or even if it's oh, i'll get you Larusso and your little dog too <laughs> you know something to of, of you know that points to where the relationship stands now that daniel has made all this progress and made all this change because <laughs> the antagonist is what helps us gauge where the protagonist has come, how far they have grown, uh, what they have overcome, and the way the antagonist reacts to the protagonist's growth is the narrative gauge for those things. Um, 
Well, we so, have something uh, else to recommend to you. It's called the spinoff Cobra Kai. Hey. <laughs> Years later, Daniel and Johnny. <laughs> coming up, coming to Netflix this month, it's I think. Coming to Netflix. So it's already oh. here by the time this uh, podcast comes out. Let me, let me put that on my list. Yes. So I haven't seen any of the sequels, but uh, when I was thinking about your question of other movies related to Karate Kid, I was okay. reminded of uh, of a real gem of a Karate Kid knockoff movie <laughs> called No Retreat, No Surrender. Oh, yeah. With this? Yeah. Jean-Claude Van Damme? Yes, with the one and only Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh, man, what I recommend to everyone just to go out. And if you're a fan of Karate Kid and you haven't seen this, you just need to watch it to see how bad Karate Kid could have been <laughs> in the hands of people who don't know what they're doing. Because it follows almost the exact same formula. Yep. Kid moves to the opposite coast and uh, had a little bit of karate training before, gets his butt handed to him by the local dojo. Uh, the the twist of the movie, of course, is that there is no Mr. Miyagi figure for our hero in No Retreat, No Surrender. No, no, that's not good enough. Instead, he is trained by the ghost of Bruce Lee. That's right. <laughs> oh, my God. I Who thought comes? that was it, but then I was like, no, wait, was that the last dragon that had the ghost of Bruce Lee? I couldn't remember. No, that's Bruce no, Leroy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, it's No Retreat, No Surrender, where our hero finds himself in an abandoned house because he's run away from home, and the ghost of Bruce Lee comes back from the dead in order to train our hero in the yes. ways of martial arts, and they don't even come close with the actor. It is, does not look like Bruce Lee at Oh, oh, oh no, no retreat, no surrender also has that hilarious like training montage in the park where like it's kind of homoerotic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like he's yeah, doing like he's doing push ups or something. And the other guy, the other guy's sitting on his butt while he's doing it. He's like <laughs> he's kind of wiggling around and like really happy. Right. It was it was the 80s. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, uh. man. So that that reminded me of. Uh, so that that was a really interesting movie to see because when I watched it, I knew like, oh yeah, I can tell this movie's knocking off the Karate Kid, a movie that I am of course intimately familiar with. And then <laughs> this year, like, oh no, I actually didn't know Karate Kid, but I still knew that other one was a knockoff. I could still see where it was cribbing from the uh, from the notes. <laughs> awesome, yeah. Oh god, I I really want to watch rewatch that movie now. I gotta find out where that is <laughs> well sure I, I have it the last time i watched it uh, last time i watched it was for a mystery science theater live show when they oh. came to chicago and <laughs> oh boy nice. that was a real delight <laughs> awesome well thank you so much for joining us father david uh how much do we owe you by the way uh, well, uh, if you could just, uh, you can make the check out. No, no, I'm kidding. It's my <laughs> pleasure. My pleasure. Absolutely. Just enjoy the bike. <laughs> All right. Uh, and, uh, let people know where they can find you and, and, where all your numerous guest appearances are listed. <laughs> oh, well, if you are interested in, in listening to a couple other uh, Movies by Minutes podcasts I have been on, you can find all of those on my website at fatherdavidmowry.com. That's F-A-T-H-E-R, David Mowry, M-O-W-R-Y.com. Uh, I have a listing there of all the, the, the various Movies by Minutes podcasts I've been on. Um Let's see. What was, if you're interested in Karate Kid, the only other 80s movies I've been in were the uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Uh, so a little different kind of uh, mentor-student relationship there. A, a little less respect, perhaps, for uh -huh. uh, other foreign cultures than in the Karate Kid. I don't know. It's up, up for you to decide. Uh, so 
look for all my stuff on my website. And if you want to contact me on social media, best place to do that is on Twitter at at FR Mowry on Twitter. Cool. And of course, Friday minute. Uh. <laughs> well, of course. Yes. You want to hear me uh, talk about vampires. I was on for a whole week of Fright Night Minutes. Oh. Talk about a very scary bat. The power of faith against a very scary bat. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Matt, you got anything? Nope, I'm good. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, everybody, tune in next week when Daniel learns the power of invisibility. And until next time. How much do we owe you? <laughs> oh, we have to pay our listeners to listen uh, to our show. Yeah.